Hi, I'm Brad. Welcome to Strange for History, the podcast where I talk about, you guessed it, strange history. This is an older episode, recorded and produced before the podcast started to get attention, before editing was done to episodes, before I had a good feeling for how an episode of Strange for History needed to sound, and before our rebranding to Strange for History. These old episodes are not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of stuff here that I'm really not proud of, like audio glitches, bad dialogue, poor editing, and segments that needed to be dropped, like the interviews, or like the rapid-fire history facts. While you're welcome to start and listen from here, I would recommend that you fast-forward to episode 12, Spanish Civil War, instead. Either here or there, I hope you enjoy this journey that we will take together as we explore many of the things that make us, us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this little podcast, and even if you do not continue past here, I do so very much appreciate you and your time. Episode 5, Salem. This episode will consist of the history of witchcraft, the Salem Witch Trials, European Witch Trials, and how Wicca has become a major part of today's culture. The best-known period of the history of witchcraft is the late Middle Ages and early modern period, during which hundreds of thousands of witches were tried. 10,000 were burned by the Christian authorities in these infamous witch trials. Witchcraft of the early Christian period was essentially sorcery of the common sorts, or folk magic developed over the centuries from the ancient period, although not involving demons or the devil. Anglo-Saxon magic involved spells and a simple uh, mechanical remedy. Some of these would be included in the Christian elements like the Lord's Prayer. Probably the best known and recorded of all the witch trials would be those of Salem. The Salem witch trials were a series of hearings before local magistrates, followed by county court trials, to prosecute the accused of witchcraft in a variety of towns in Massachusetts, USA, between February 1692 and May 1693. Over 150 people were arrested and imprisoned during this time frame, many more of which were accused but not formally pursued by the authorities, and 19 would be hanged as a result. In Salem Village in early 1692, nine-year-old Betty Paris, the minister's daughter, and her cousin, 11-year-old Abigail Williams, began to be affected with strange fits, screaming, other strange sounds, contortions, and complaints of being pinched and pricked with pins. The local doctor, William Griggs, could find no physical ailment of any sort. Soon, other young women of the village began experiencing similar afflictions, including Anne Putnam and Mercy Lewis, who had become some of the most ferocious and dramatic of the accusers. Much of the evidence used against those accused was spectral evidence, testimony of those who were affected, who claimed to see the apparition or shape of the person who was allegedly affecting them. 
Other evidence included confessions of the accused themselves, testimony of another confessed witch, presence of uh, devil marks on the accused, discovery of poppets or dolls made to represent a person and used to cast spells at that person, uh, books and horoscopes, and ointments and pots that were possessed in the homes of those who were accused. Throughout the trials, various accounts and opinions about the proceedings began to appear in print, some in defense and others challenging the spectral evidence. Governor Phipps ordered the court to exclude spectral evidence and touching tests. Basically what a touching test is, is if the blindfold, if the blindfolded accused witch calmed the fits of an effective person by laying her hands on said person, she was obviously marked as guilty. As 1693 progressed, more and more defendants had been found not guilty. 28 of 33 witch trials ended in acquittals, until the whole episode gradually ground to an abrupt halt. The court, the court of Oyer and Terminer was dissolved at the end of 1692, and a superior court was created to try the remaining cases. The last trial was held in May of 19... Of 1693, and Governor Phipps then released the remaining accused or convicted witches from prison. Almost as quickly as it had begun, the hysteria that rocked the Puritan Massachusetts had abruptly ended. All in all, 29 people were convicted of the capital felony of witchcraft. 19 of those, 14 women and 5 men, were hanged. One man who refused to enter a plea was crushed to death under heavy stones and a force to attempt him to do so. Several women were convicted but given temporary deprives because they were pregnant. At least five more accused died in prison while awaiting trial. Two dogs were also executed as suspected accomplices of the witches. The bodies of the hanged were cut down from the trees from which they were hung and thrown into simple, shallow graves. The families of the dead had to reclaim the bodies and bury them after dark in unmarked graves on the family property. As time went on, more and more irregularities during the trials came to light. Samuel Seawall, one of the judges, issued a public confession of guilt and an apology. Several jurors also came forward and said they were sadly deluded and mistaken in their judgments. Many of the relatives of the accused brought court cases in an attempt to clear the family name, and many petitions arose to reverse convictions. As late as 1957, the last six who had been publicly wrongly convicted were publicly exonerated. There is also evidence of repentance within the Church of Salem Village, and in 1703, the members of the church voted to reverse some of the excommunications they had imposed at the height of the hysteria. The European witch trials began in the 15th century. In England, the first act of Parliament directed specifically against witchcraft was the Act de Horatio Cumberredo, and I know I said that incredibly wrong, 
which was passed at the instigation of Archbishop, Archbishop Thomas Ardenell in 1401. It specifically named witchcraft and sorcery as a species of hearsay and provided that unless the accused witches abjured their beliefs, they'd be burned at the stake. The broader witchcrafts acts were passed by Queen Elizabeth I in 1563 and again by King James I in 1604, making witchcraft a felony and removing the accused witches from the jurisdiction of the illustrial courts to the courts of the common law. By the mid-15th century in Central Europe, torture inflicted on heretics suspected of magical packs or demon-driven sexual misconduct led to some alarming confessions, where defendants admitted to flying on poles and animals to attend assemblies provided over by Satan himself, who would often appear in the form of a goat or another animal. Gradually, witchcraft as a crime began to take shape. Pope Innocent VII claimed that Satanists in Germany were meeting deems and casting spells that destroyed crops and that were aborting infants. He claimed the clergy were not taking the threat of witchcraft seriously enough. He asked two inquisitors of the Catholic Church, Heinrich Kramer and Jakob Springer, to publish a full report of the suspected witchcraft, which would be called the Malarius Maleficarum, the Hammer of Witches, to be published in 1486. This publication put to rest the orthodoxy that witches were powerless in the face of God and established a new orthodoxy, which held that the Christians had an obligation to hunt down and kill them. Over the next 40 years, the Malicious would be reprinted 13 times, despite being banned by the church in 1490. In the early 16th century, outbreaks of witchcraft hysteria with subsequent mass executions began to appear. In 1515, authorities in Switzerland burned 500 accused witches at the stake. And in 1526, in Como, Italy, a spiral of witchcraft led to as many as a thousand executions. Witch hysteria swept France in 1571, after claims were made of over a hundred thousand witches roaming the country. Although the Reformation divided Europe between Protestant regions and those loyal to the Pope, the Protestants took the crime of witchcraft no less seriously than the Catholics. Germany saw Europe's greatest execution rate of witches, higher than those in the rest of the continent combined. Over 160 years from 1500 to 1660, an estimated 50 to 80,000 suspected witches were executed, with 80% of them being women including 26,000 in Germany and about 10,000 in France. The number of trials began to drop after the late 1640s. By 1648, Holland was a tolerant society that had done away entirely with punishments for witchcraft. In 1682, Temperance Lloyd, a senile woman from Biddenford, would be the last witch ever executed in England. By the late 16th, 1880s, the Enlightenment, with its empirical reason, skepticism, and humanitarianism, contributed to the end of witch hunts throughout Europe. In today's world, the religion of Wicca has been taken the has taken the world by storm. Wicca is a contemporary neo-pagan nature-based religion or spiritual tradition with a specific assemblance of beliefs, as well as a set of practices with distinctive ritual forms seasonal observances, and religious, magical, and ethical precepts. It generally honors a deity that is divided into male and female spiritualities, those being gods and goddesses. 
Wicca is also one of the fastest growing religions in the Western world today, especially here in the U.S., where the Church of Wicca is estimated to have almost 400,000 members in just the United States alone. So it's been super long since I actually wrote this episode, so I'm going to actually give you two different historical add-on things, like I usually do. Uh, The first one is going to be from January 9th when I actually finish the episode, and I'm also going to give you one from today. So we're going to jump right into it. On January 9th, there was a ton of cool historical events that went down. It was really hard for me to actually pick one of these. Um, some of my options were Tsar Ivan killing 2,000 people in Novigrad to Christopher Columbus's first sighting of manatees. I chose instead to focus on something a little bit more recent. January 9th, 1788, Connecticut became the fifth state of the United States to ratify the United States Constitution. Connecticut is the southernmost state in what is considered the New England region of the Northeastern United States, and today has a population of around 3.5 million people. Its name comes from a local river, which I am not even going to try to pronounce, but it translates to the Long Tidal River. It is one of the smallest states in the Union, being only 70 miles long and around 110 miles wide, technically making it the third smallest state by size, but one of the most densely populated. On today's date, the 20th of June in 1850, the HMS investigator captained by Robert McClure leaves England on the first expedition to make a Northwest Passage. Now, the HMS Investigator is a super, super cool story. So bear with me here. Now, we're going to get a little bit confusing. The HMS Investigator is actually the fourth of its name. The first time she sailed towards the North, like I said, was in 1850. The last time she sailed was actually when she was lost in 1853. She was built at the Scots Shipbuilding and Engineering Company of Greenlock on the Firth of Clyde and was running around 422 tons. She was strengthened for Arctic service with extensive uh, relumbering, teak, English oak, Canadian elm, and eight millimeters of solid steel plating. Now, in 1848, she would accompany the HMS Enterprise on the James Clark Roses expedition to find the missing Franklin expedition. And yes, there's a lot of expeditions going on here. Uh, The ship became trapped in the ice and was eventually abandoned on the 3rd of June, 1853 in Mercer Bay, where she was stuck for almost three years. A year later, she was inspected by crews of the HMS Resolute. She was still frozen in, but was in good condition, although she took a little bit of water in during the summer thaw.
thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Strange for History. I hope you enjoyed learning about today's subject, and it was a lot of fun having you with Brad. Not me. <laughs> You'll have me if you start on episode 12. You can find this podcast on many different places, such as Facebook and Twitter. That's at Strange, the number four history, and on all major streaming sites as well, such as Google, Amazon, Spotify, Apple, um, even Good Pods, those indie ones, or really wherever your ears are listening. We at Strange for History appreciate your companionship and hope you continue to enjoy learning about those strange, weird things that make us us. <laughs>